Well, good evening. Nice to be here again. Um, so today I am going to speak about ecodicy because today is ecodicy, briefly, and um, that because you're probably hungry. <laughs> I heard that typically the, the Friday programs have been Prashadam first and talking later, so maybe a stretch uh, to return to the the um, Prashadam later, but that's what we're doing tonight, not by my arrangement, but um, so yeah, a little bit about ecodicy and, and that in the context of our particular <coughs> tradition of uh, Rag Bhakti. What is its place and uh, significance and so forth? I think that, um, first of all, I think that uh, observances like a codice, of course, a codice means, a codice means like 10 and 1, 10 and 1 is 11. So the 11th day of the waning and the waxing moon. This is the ecodicy, and it's a uh, an observance that's found through all the uh, Hindu traditions, not exclusive to uh, our uh, tradition by any means. <clears throat> and um, at the same time, of course, we are participants in our particular tradition, and many of us born in a different uh, culture and, and at the present, at least all of us here living in a very different uh, cultural uh, environment with uh, very uh, different um, worldviews, uh, dominant worldviews, whether they be religious or, or, or whether they be non-secular for that matter, they're quite uh, uh, different. <laughs> And uh, so, when we take a a uh, observance like a codice or other aspects of our tradition, observances uh, and so forth, we may be pressed to some extent to try to make sense out of them in relation to the cultural setting and trains of thought and so forth. That we uh, that we live in, and it may be hard to do that. <clears throat> and um, at the same time, there may be ways, with regard to some such uh, observances and practices and so forth, that we can find some type of broader universal uh, application that extends beyond uh, our particular uh, focus and. Um, in the uh, what we might call the deeper um, um, ideas uh, that lie behind the tradition, I was reading from the Bhagwat recently the beautiful uh, description of Narayan in Vaikuntha um, from the third canto, where as as you know the uh, Leela of Bhagavan Shringa, the avatar whose day we recently celebrated, has its uh, early beginnings in the 
in the, the Bhagavad is of course a, a describes itself as a Ras Shastra. So you'll find the story of uh, Narasimha in in the Nisringa Purana, for example, Nisringa Talpani Upanishad and other Puranas, other texts, and so forth. But the Rasa of it all that you will find in Bhagavatam, beginning uh, as it does in Vaikuntha with with the peculiar, uh, if I may for a moment, uh, desire of Narayan, Bhagavan Narayan, to taste uh, Yudhavira, hmm? a, the rasa of heroism, uh, the, the type of heroism, or Vira rasa that involves Bhagavan fighting with his devotees, which obviously can only be a, a mock fight, if you will. Um, there are other types of Vira rasa, but they don't involve fighting with with Bhagawan. So he had some inkling, some some desire for that which is peculiar in Vaikuntha. And there's there's no no real scope for it. In Braj of course there is as we know, the cowards of uh, of Braj are uh, well known for their uh, um, fighting with uh, with Krishna in sport. And of course their Sakya Bhava is um, a uh, a bhava rasa uh, that is um, friendly to Yudavira, whereas in Dasiras it's not friendly. It's it's an enemy of Dasiras, which doesn't mean that it won't appear in a Dasiras bhakta, but if it does, rather than expanding and nourishing their Dasya Bhakta, as it nourishes the, um, for example, the Sakya Bhav of Krishna's friends in Golok, uh, it will cause it to con- contract. Hmm. And so anyway, the gatekeepers, they somehow picked up on this. They were that well tuned in to uh, Narayan, and then they developed a desire to fulfill that, and so many events happened. Um, as, as we know, but anyway, I was reading there, and um, and again, Bhagavatam takes us to the rasa of the whole affair, and then of course, then there's Prahlad and the full face of Dasya Rasa, and then we have a kind of an eclipsed uh, or impinged, or how you what do you say, contracted form of Dasya Rasa in Hiranyakasipu and Hiranyaksha and Shishupal Dantavakra and so on and so forth, <clears throat> because of the Yudavira. Right, causing it to contract, then putting them in position to do what uh, what they did in in service to Narayan. So, <clears throat> at any rate, it was a beautiful description of Narayan, who was quite uh, quite uh, in, in a, quite a charming uh, mood and um, playful. He was with the Kumaras, who had uh, appeared at the gate, and you know you know the story and. Uh, um, playing with their minds is what he was doing a little bit, um, and they're said to have very s- steady minds, if, if you will. At any rate, the description of Ryan was very, um, very beautiful, and in the midst of that description, he was um, uh, decorated with a garland, and around which there were many bees. And this, so, this is a typical um, description: Ryan, Krishna. That may be the case. Garland in bees. <laughs> and uh, Chakrabarti Thakur m- made the comment, Vishnu Chakrabarti Thakur, that, that the uh, 
the bees have been given um, dominion over all the other species hmm? as a way of saying why the bees are always there, which is kind of a... We, uh, we know that if we didn't have bees, we wouldn't have food. Hmm? How important those uh, insects, I guess they're called insects, right, bees, are hmm? to uh, to the... Uh, well-being of the world and so so it's a it was an example of something where uh, uh, the bees that are part of the the Leela and the the, the description of, of Bhagawan and so forth um, have some type of universal application and sensibility tied to them um, beyond um, uh, what they directly do for Narayan and Alila buzzing around it. Uh, stingless bees they are, I think. Uh, <laughs> we have those in Madhavan, by the way. Yeah, we have some. We also had some stinging bees, and Maharaj is not here to attest to that, but he had a good experience, or a bad experience of that one time. Ashram Rashi's on his way. Um, so, with regard to Kadasi, and this is uh, a, a strange observance in, in in one sense and hard to kind of explain and make sense out of in a, in a world that, in a culture that doesn't make a lot of sense, which is has to, how we have to start to look at, at, uh, at the issue. Hmm? We, we tend to think it makes uh, more sense than it does. And um, so with that, I, I just want to read a short... Uh, a paragraph from uh, the book I'm writing at, at present, which uh, is entitled Friends Forever. And Sakirasa in uh, Uttam Bhakti. Now, what I'm going to read you is really a, a um, kind of tangential to the main issue, um, main topic of the book, but it's, it's related to what we're talking about at the moment, cultural differences. Hmm? In the Puranic terminology, earth refers to the Bhumandal, within which we find Part Barsha, roughly corresponding with an extended geographical sense of what we refer to today as the subcontinent of the Indian Republic. Therein we find in today's terminology what might be referred to as a sense of Eastern exceptionalism, a wealth that is to be shared and actually can be shared, unlike European and American exceptionalism arising out of exploitive imperialism and colonialism. Bharat, India, even today is often referred to by the West as the mystical mother of all religion. From its manner of greeting, namaste, that acknowledges and honors the atma in our neighbor, along with its ahimsa, that further acknowledges the pan-psychic underlying reality, the atmas, in all animation, to its methodology, yoga, sadhana, that Merton sought out in earnest, and that so readily lends itself to adaption by other traditions, to its inclusiveness with regard to other effacing, ego-effacing spiritual traditions, to its details as to the nature of the hereafter, Bharat's 
Sanatana Dharma, the perennial philosophy, is priceless at the cost of merely well-reasoned faith. The scripturally stated worldview of Bharata adds up to the less that is much more, the wealth of our common human prospect hidden in our underlying Atma's capacity to love, to give, and it is in the pastoral brudge within the Bhumandal's Bharat Barsha that the heart of divinity descends as the perfect object of love. Bhagavan Sri Gopal Krishna. Jai. So, as we know, but I thought it was worth reminding ourselves that uh, that uh, our tradition comes from a very a great uh, culture and uh, uh, very generous to be shared, as Mahaprabhu said, Bharata Bhumi Tuhi Hawila Manusha Janma Janma Sarta Kodi Parupakar. And uh, and one dealing very much with uh, uh, very much centered on essentials, nature of consciousness, hmm? nature of I, and so forth, and uh, um, and uh, the culture in which we live, where we find ourselves today, is is very very uh, different, and it's not uh, conducive comparatively. Hmm? to uh, the culture of our spiritual uh, practice. And <clears throat> not that India today is necessarily um, um, either, but uh, Bharat, as, as I'm referring to this is another thing, it's, it's, it's not, and I've spoken about it in this section of the book, as something other than a geographical area, if you will, it kind of may overlay a particular geographical area or particular Cartesian coordinates, but it's a space. Um, it's a space in which uh, consciousness is central, and given that consciousness, or let's call it an aspect of consciousness, awareness, chitta, is uh, is is central. Um, where there is awareness, the implication is there should be consequences. If there's awareness, there should be consequences. So the, uh, just as an aside, the, 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 the chitta, the subtle organ that can reflect consciousness proper of the atma, hmm, is uh, there we find this characterized by awareness in the subtle body, and that the, the corresponding in gross matter we have embedded, therefore, these moral principles that, that we call the law of karma. So karma corresponds with consciousness. Consequences correspond with uh, with uh, awareness. Hmm? Follow. So these ideas are really worth um, exploring in some depth and they have a lot of currency actually in um uh, in 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 all time because they they, they really deal with uh, matters of the uh, existential uh matters and 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 also in such a way that that they um have produced uh, uh, considerable uh, results in terms of fulfillment, happiness that uh, far exceeds uh, 
the uh, any any kind of Western or um, uh, secular, let's say, secular pursuit of of happiness. Um, so, um, something to uh, consider. We can look at a codice then, you know, in a broad way, and 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 reason that the idea of fasting, which is part of the codice, that's the part we know probably. <laughs> that it, if you if you fast from grains, well, in the gentle land of Bharat, of course, the main food stuff is is grains. If you're in the south, it's rice. If you're in the north, it's wheat. Hmm? And if you're in the south and you don't get any wheat, but you're from the north, you haven't eaten. And if you're in the north and you get wheat, but not any rice, you haven't eaten. Hmm? I've given an example before. It's not the nicest one, but one of my students told me that he once went home to visit his father. And his father said, the refrigerator's full, you know, make yourself whatever you want. So there he was making himself this big vegetarian sandwich. His father came in and said, aren't you going to put anything on it? Hmm? Because he was under the impression if you don't eat meat, you haven't eaten. Hmm? So different cultures have different ideas of what the, you know, what the main, um, the main meal is, if you will. Um, and so, in a culture where where it is vegetarian and and you know all the, that that goes with that, the ahimsa, the gentleness, the kindness, and so forth, then um, if we were to, if the society was to refrain from taking grains for two days, that's a lot of people in India. <laughs> it's a it's a very well populated uh, place, uh, to say the least. So, so that's a lot of grains then that are that are not consumed and so I suppose you could look at it from an environmental uh, point of view and a, a point of view of, um, of uh, extending the natural resources um, um, by some uh, abstinence on, on, on our part in, a, in, in, a, in small measure the result is big for one, for for someone to fast from grain and for one day, two, two days a month, everybody doing that, the net result is huge in comparison to the sacrifice that the individual undergoes. Hmm? Um, so it's a nice idea for, that you can a, a way in which you can look at this kind of broadly and make a case for it um, outside of um, the other religious and spiritual aspects of the uh, the vrata, the vow, and ways of thinking about it, which will be different also within Hinduism in different traditions. For example, amongst the religious sector of Brahmins, the smartas from the Advaita tradition, um, the observance of Ekadasi is primarily uh, uh, centered on the fasting, and the pleasing of Vishnu aspect of the secondary. Of course, in our tradition, it's it's uh, reversed, right? And thank God that the fasting is secondary. 
if you will, <laughs> and the pleasing of Vishnu is uh, is, is primary, and, and there's more to it as well. Uh, so different differences in how to observe and what the spirit of it is and so forth. And go into it a little bit, but I, as I say, I wanted to speak about it in relation particularly to um, where does it fit within Raghunuga Bhakti, which gives us an opportunity to speak a little bit about um, our tradition as a whole. Uh, Rag Bhakti, which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give to the world, right? Mm-hmm. We find through the pen of Krishna's Kabiraj Goswami, Brajanda Nandan Krishna speaking and saying that the love of me that constitutes worship, mm-hmm. which keeps in place the worshiper and the objects of worship and bridges the distance to them only slightly, doesn't do much for me in comparison to love rather than worship, in which the object of love and the love, uh, the vessel of love, become one. The gap, the distance between object of love and love is, 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 is bridged entirely. Hmm? So love is about uh, um, becoming one, hmm. and uh, in, a, in a course in a dynamic uh, sense. So this is the way in which Kaviraj Goswami uh, begins to speak about the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm. Krishna is making the statement through his pen, and um, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the appearance of. Krishna, in which that rag bhagli is so widely um, uh, disseminated, circulated, and we're all touched by that. This is our 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 sampradaya. So um, we should talk about it a little bit. Um, it's uh, it's a it's not a strange idea, from, uh, even within Hinduism, so to speak. Uh, it's, pe- it's peculiar. Hmm. Uh, the, 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 the measure of the intimacy that it affords with the Godhead that makes the Godhead even oblivious to his own godhood, for example, and a plaything in the hands of his devotees is rather uh, peculiar. We tend to think of, of love of God to be something different than the love we have for, for one another. Hmm? We love one another every day. We love God on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's one of the differences. <laughs> um, uh, and we love one another in ways that are fraternal, paternal, uh, romantic, uh, and, and so forth. Whereas uh, uh, love of God is uh, is thought to be of a, of, of a different nature. So this, of course, is not the case in in rag bhakti. Rag bhakti, rag raganuga means rag raga means uh, a kind of a passion, <clears throat> attachment. And Anuga means to follow. So Rupa Goswami um, has given us 39 verses in his book Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu about the path of Raganuga Bhakti. Mm-hmm. And um, it, uh, in in essence, given the nature of the word Rag, passion, attachment, Anuga to follow is about following those who have a inborn passion for uh, loving Krishna 
in the ways that we find in Braj, in the Brajalila, which is very, as I say, very extraordinary, exceptional. We don't find this in, in really any other um, religious tradition, any other spiritual tradition. So it's 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 quite uh, unique and quite interesting hmm, idea um, that um, would be, I would think, stimulating it. Uh, in, in any discussion, uh, inter interfaith type of discussion about the nature of uh, transcendence and the possibilities that lie there and so forth. Um, so to follow, the idea is in this in this in the spirit and in the uh, example of those players in the lila that through through which they're constituted of Krishna Sarup Shakti Minjashoda. Lalita, Vishaka, Sridham, Sudham, Subal, Raktak, Patrak, hmm, in different sentiments, who are uh, really the uh, uh, ways, if you will, uh, through which Bhagavan Krishna is, is experiencing all the possibilities of uh, of love. Hmm? They are expanded for that. Purpose. The, the, the inner Shakti of Krishna manifests them, not within time, but we're limited by language to talk about it, and for that express purpose alone, that, that Bhagwan can be Rasaraj. For him to be Rasaraj, they have to be also. And uh, Chakravarti Thakur, Sri Vishwanath, has uh, in, in one place in Bhakti Rasarita Sindhu and in a different section. Um, has uh, used the term uh, to describe their inborn passion, which the word ragatmika means. The raganuga follows the ragatmika. So rag means rag is atmika. It's 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 kind of inborn within their 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 atma, their self. It's inherent in them. Hmm? He uses the term uh, anadi siddha sanskar. It's peculiar. Um, um, samskar means like an impression. Hmm? And impressions come from outside, right? Hmm? We get an impression from the environment. But he is, is using a term, samskar, which is a, a good term to use given the nature of the path, as we'll see. Uh, and as we proceed with it, with it, with the discussion, um, an impression, but an impression that has no beginning. It's not coming from outside. It's a nadi, and it's a siddha samskar. Means it's they have a natural tendency to act in in the perfection of love of Krishna that has no beginning. Hmm? So these are different uh, paradigmatic figures in the Leela that are uh, different than our ourselves. Um, we uh, they uh, uh, they are just really uh, expressions of the will of Bhagawan, the desire of Bhagawan to taste in different ways. Hmm? And the Srupa Shakti uh, manifests them uh, it's very peculiar we, we we look at them in a certain way and if we, we see that 
for example, I've, I've given this example before. You take Radharani's uh, really sister, and this, this, the closest to Krishna, next to uh, next to her, she Chandravali, and um, a competitor of Radha for Rasa. And and if you look at her life and stuff, you might think, you know, she, she's dysfunctional. She's got a problem. You know, it's just like, she's like a partial person. You know compared to uh, a healthy, psychologically well-balanced uh, 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 person. She has a good cause for being upset, and, uh, but she, she's not, and she should be, should be, should be taken out of the, uh, there and so forth. So <laughs> we, uh, we, we take our own personhood too seriously is the point. Not that we shouldn't try to be psychologically well-balanced and, uh, and wholesome people, in this world and so forth, which will, which will, if done in the spirit of, as I sometimes say, forming a vertical, vertical, horizontal uh, foundation in order to build vertically and make spiritual progress. If this is what our culture is about, our ideal is about, we're living for spiritual progress, then there's a way in which we can even make our um, um, so-called material dealings, emotional necessities, need for livelihood, and and uh, material balance, and so forth, part of that um, culture of vertical growth. In as much as in order to make a building go high, you need to make a a uh, a, found, a foundation that's that's sound. I sometimes say, I have said in the past, if you want to jump up and touch the stars, it's good if you're standing on two feet to start with, because it's a high jump, right? If you're only on one foot, then you might fall on your butt. So uh, so th- th- there's a place for that, and it's important. We call it sattvic, really, to be emotionally well-balanced and so forth. That, that puts us in a better position than to have clarity of thought and and, uh, and pursue our purpose with all the the uh, material strength and balance that you know that we that we can have. Um, not that our progress is dependent entirely on that by any means, but our effort, of course, in that regard, is to be well balanced enough to plea and cry <laughs> sincerely for uh, Krishna's help, knowing that however well materially balanced I am, as much as that's important and good for me, relatively speaking, and even absolutely speaking, as I'm. I'm talking about it. It's um, it's everything from this world is really unto itself uh, counterfeit uh, currency, so to speak, for purchasing real estate in a land where there's no death. So, so to get help from the other side, we want to position ourselves to get help from the other side. But uh, yes, and so we, you know, we we look at the figures in the Leela sometimes and we have to be careful because they may look like less than people than ourselves, but our own peopleness, if you will, our, all person, our own personhood uh, is really this biological, psychological um, complex that is in flux and changing and is a product of, of, um, of, um, of really taking, exploiting the the, the world, uh, the hunters and hunted and jivojivasijivanam and uh, and so forth. Uh, so we want to be careful in terms of evaluating the persons of the leela 
um, in terms of our own personhood, because if we look at our own personhood in a bigger picture, however well balanced we are and so forth, we're here today, we're gone tomorrow, we're like we're like a uh, a blip only, right, uh, in the uh, in, in in time, right, not so. Uh, Significant. Some of us will be member, remembered for something bad that we did, <laughs> or something good that we did for a while. And of course, if it's really good with a capital G, then it might be for a long time, like the Buddha, like the Jesus, hmm? right? Like Krishna, long time, long time. The bad guys. Uh, we also remember the Hiranyakasipus, but they're super bad. <laughs> Uh, so, um, so these anyway paradigmatic figures of the Leela, these are really um, extraordinary, extraordinary um, beings, different from us in a, in a sense. I mean, we we have some, we we like to think of ourselves as having free will or some measure of of of, of choice in determining our course, um, and and we do, and. We sometimes wonder, well, why didn't God make a world where, you know, there wouldn't be that uh, problem of making the wrong choice and so forth? And then there's the Goloka, you know, there it is. So why weren't we all there? Hmm? Well, there's different kinds of, God has different types of Shaktis. That's just the fact. Hmm? Why does God have to toss the Shakti? You might as well ask, why is there a God? Hmm? Why does any? Why is there anything? Hmm? So it's good to ask the questions, why? But at some point, you have to just determine the how. God is. I mean, I know I am. Hmm? You know that you are, and we know that there's something else out there that we're we're observing. So we know that that's our at least our very prominent experience. That I am. And I am observing something that's being observed. So what's what's out there, and who's asking the question? It's kind of says to us: there's an external world, and there's an in, and there's an internal world. Mm-hmm. I'm in the internal world. I'm observing the external world. You know, we can call them whatever you want. We call it the Maya Shakti. We call it the Tasta Shakti. These are aspects of of of, of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. He has a sarup shakti. Our business is to, is to explain them, how they work, not why they are. Hmm? Why isn't God different? You know, why don't you change? <laughs> Boy, that's a better question. Why don't you change yourself? Why aren't you different? What's holding you back there? So, so these uh, people, uh, anyway, they're they're very. Um, uh, they're somewhat different from us, and that's eternally the case. But we can follow their example and imbibe the essence of what they're about, and as a result, participate in that in that realm. Here we are. We may ask, you know, questions about why there's a world where, again, to go back to that for a minute, where there's suffering or evil, and there's a good God, and so forth. But it's like asking God to make a square circle or something like that, because we have an element of freedom to us which distinguishes us from matter, hmm? and 
uh, in order to in order to have that freedom, we have to have the choice to do the wrong thing. Hmm? So, if you want to do away with that, then you got to do away with the freedom also. Hmm? So, um, so we we should make the right choices, and and Gaudiya Vaishnavism gives us a good chance uh, to do that by uh, giving providing a channel, so to speak, to these. Uh, Extraordinary um, uh, associates of Krishna, hmm? in whose hand they have, he has become the son and the friend of equal standing, the the lover and and, and so forth. These are the basic, really three um, uh, focuses of the Bhagavatam: the elders, the equals, and the lovers. Hmm? Uh, Matsalya, Sakya, Madhurya. Dasya is uh, o- overriding. It's 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 a given, so to speak. Hmm. Um, and so you, you find these several chapters in the Bhagavatam, Damodar Lila, for example. This is a the the Matsalya Rasa center, the Sakya Rasa center. Four, five, six chapters: Brahmavimohan Lila, Dhanakasura, and then the, the, the Raspanjajaya, the five chapters, and the, the romantic center. Hmm. This is the, this is this is the Bhagavatam telling the story and many stories, like I mentioned earlier, the, the Shringadev story. It's, these stories are not unique to the Bhagavatam. We will find them in other literatures, in other Puranas, and in other genres, and even in some of the Upanishads and so forth. A different type of literature than the Purana. But they're told differently in the Bhagavatam. Hmm? You can go to the Vishnu Purana and you can, you can hear all the Krishna did this, Krishna did this, Krishna did this, and you can even hear the names of some of the people who did it with him. But it's more or less just a chronological list of of events. There's no feeling there. There's no feeling brought out. Hmm? That's what all what the Bhagavatam is about to bring the feeling out hmm? and, and 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 to and to showcase these windows of possibilities. To associate with Krishna in the Braj Lila, like Jashoda, like Nanda, like Sridam, Sudam, Lalita Vishaka, Rupa Manjari, and so forth. Hmm. So here we are, you know, very high in the Golok, and we're talking about these Nitya Siddha, Anadi Siddha, Samskar, Ragatmikas. Hmm. And it's a, it's a very attractive, uh, if we could uh, uh, explore it at, at, at some in some depth, theologically, it's an attractive and extraordinary idea. Uh, that kind of love for God hmm? and the, all the implications of that, hmm? um, the, the intimacy and, the, and so forth, um, and and then to go there, of course, to have that idea to go there. This is very um, central. To our practice, to, to participate there, but what what it's all about is these Anadi Siddha Samskar people, right? Inhabitants. It's all about them. And I like the word that Vishnu Sarvatitakras uses. I mentioned Samskar because in order to go there, what happens is that feelings from there come to us through the Guru Parampara, come to us who are where those feelings, those Anadi Siddha Samskars if you will, they come down and they meet head-on with anadi ananta uh, samskars of material 
existence that our whole that are informing our whole lives hmm? material samskars material impressions and Rupa Goswami Jiva Goswami says they are ananta hmm? they are unlimited hmm? and anadi without any beginning and where do you begin to sort that so to to deal with that condition of impressions hmm? coming from outside, from the environment, with no beginning, that are un- unlimited. This, um, this, this uh, sanskar theory of, um, of, uh, within, within Hinduism, within Vedanta, within yoga and so forth, is uh, interesting in that um, there is a slight empirically uh, based uh, comparison that one could make with David Hume's theory, the famous empiricist of... Of, of 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 Britain and centuries past, he had a theory called impressions, <coughs> and basically his theory was uh, that all our beliefs are derived from experiences or impressions, which is basically what we're, we're saying with the samskar theory. Hmm? Um, just as an aside, an interesting uh, point, but unlimited and without beginning. And um, how to deal with them? Well, this is a very, very what's being offered in Rag Bhakti is a very comprehensive way of dealing with them. Because on the other end of the spectrum, far, far other end, deep in transcendence, we have these anadi siddha samskars, bhakti samskars that have no beginning, inborn in the ragatmikas and coming to us through the guru um, parampara to deal. Primarily, at first, hmm, with all those material samskars. Hmm. So there's different ways to deal with them. There's really only one way, and that is sadhana. Hmm. The different kinds of sadhanas, yoga sadhana, will also deal with them. But, but this is our way, hmm, in effect, to replace these material beginningless samskars with the beginningless and perfect tendencies and impressions that lead to tendencies to act in relation to Bhagawan. Hmm? Replace them. One eradicates the other, not only by driving it out, so to speak, expending, uh, exhausting it. Um, Mahaprabhu Sri Chaitanya Dev, he used the example, what did he say? The mirror, the darpana, cheta darpana and marginum. The cleansing, the marginum, of the chitta, which is like a mirror. The chitta, again, is that subtle uh, organ of uh, that, that is consciousness-like. The idea in Hinduism is that the, that the glance, the reflection of Vishnu upon matter, on the Maya Shakti, one of his energies, he has to do, ha- have some relationship with her. So if at a distance he glances, hmm? And through the glance, he kind of goes there and kind of doesn't. Hmm? It's said in the Bible, if you look at a lady with lust, then you've gone there, or something like that. So he kind of he doesn't have any lust, but he kind of goes there, but kind of doesn't go there, right? Um, and how does he kind of go there? Is that we are projected through his glance, and we are the likeness to to Vishnu, little atomic particles of, of of consciousness small vishnus the one becomes many hmm? 
and so the this this Maya Shakti then becomes the examples there just to help us appreciate it, understand it like like impregnation, the womb of material nature is impregnated with consciousness, hmm? and so kind of the reflection Vishnu reflecting on Maya, hmm, hmm? and causes causes it to go into motion. Big question, in, in one of the big questions in contemporary philosophy is uh, about consci- when concerned with consciousness is how can consciousness or even mind, which is uh, sometimes equated with consciousness in modern thinking, have an influence on on matter? Consciousness is different from matter. How can it influence matter? Well, as I've said uh, in other places at other times, uh, as much as some things only happen because somebody's watching. Some things only happen because somebody's watching. They wouldn't have happened otherwise. So Vishnu is watching. And we, the Atma is a witness also. A witness. What does the Gita say? That uh, in the third chapter, the mudha thinks, prakriti kriyamanani, gunai karmani sarvasa, hankari buddhatma, kartahamiti manyate. The Atma thinks, itself to be the doer of things that are actually the work of material nature that are that is moving because of the witness hmm? because someone's watching it's moving Vishnu's watching me so Maya starts to move I've got his attention hmm? something like that and so the matter starts to move and, and he, 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 uh, enfold enfold unfold hmm? Expand and from subtle to gross, so so that so the, the the touch of consciousness, so to speak, it's a touch, but it's not a touch, as I'm explaining it. Hmm? it sends this uh, matter in its primordial state in motion, and the first evolute of that is something happens. So the first thing that happens is this thing called mahatattva comes. Hmm? Mahatattva, and then uh, with it, with regard to the jiva and his conditioning as it begins to manifest and so forth, this chitta, this subtle aspect of the subtle body, is a microcosm of the mahatattva. Hmm? So it represents awareness. We can call it consciousness. Hmm? From mahatattva comes buddhi. So we have awareness. We have discrimination. There's there's manas, which means emotion, feeling, thought, hmm? discrimination, uh, awareness, discrimination, uh, emotion, and uh, ego, identity. Hmm? So you know we we hear a sound. We hear a sound. We become aware of a sound. Chitta. I'm aware of a sound. With my booty, this is then the nature of the sound is determined by some discrimination. Hmm? Booty means the, the intellect, uh, and, and then then the manas respond chimes in with feeling. I like the sound. Hmm? It's the sound of a flute. Let's. I like it, or I don't like it. Hmm? This is manas, and all this in the context of an of an identity that has these aspects. 
It has awareness. It has a discriminating power. It has mental emotional feeling, uh, likes and dislikes, and so forth. Right? Mm-hmm. This is very interesting. Uh, 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 idea that there is such a thing called psychic matter and and while it might seem far-fetched in the modern uh, materialistic culture I mean materialistic philosophically speaking um, uh, and commodity wise as well uh, it's it's very it's very un, it's very un, uh, unbecoming actually the society we live in is, is very grotesque and unbecoming I hate to inform you of that if you didn't already know, but I mean the, the, the thousands and thousands and millions of dollars spent on useless and meaningless things um, uh, for the sake of entertainment, personal, I mean fashion. I mean, there's just one example. It's grotesque when people in other uh, countries are, are starving. It's, it's a kind of insensitivity. I mean, how... Uh, again, I was. I said earlier in something I read that there's, there's a kind of what I call Eastern exceptionalism. You know the term Western American exceptionalism, European exceptionalism. We're white Americans is kind of what it means. Are exceptional people, and we've done something extraordinary. The American experiment, nothing like it ever in the world. You know, it's the best country. It has the more freedoms and choices, and and who would want to live anywhere else? And in many respects, it, you know, it, it it is better. But as we know. It's very much at the cost of other of other cultures, and it's something that it's not sustainable, if you will, hmm? right? If you can't sell the stuff that's not permitted to be distributed uh, from for an environmental point of view here, if you can't sell it in India or somewhere else, then you know the corporation won't, won't be able to pay its people as much, and and the American dream won't uh, won't uh, won't manifest. So, so whereas the Indian exceptionalism, Eastern exceptionalism, they have the, the wealth of Bharat, the ideas, the, these ideas, they can be shared, at, at, not at any cost, hmm? right? It really, it, it, it's an, it's a, a, it is a form, it, it's a, I mean, look at the exceptional people. <laughs> even, even you look at the royalty, look at the royalty of India and look at the royalty of Europe. Because if you say, well, you know, India and they go, yeah, though, you know, what are you going to tell me about some culture that was monarchical and, you know, we did away with monarchy a long time ago, Swami. Not that we're advocating monarchy, we don't have any kings amongst us, but but what were the kings? Who was the Bharat? Hmm? Yudhisthira, Parikshit, and so forth. They sat on the lion's throne, the Singhasana. The meaning of that was that they were able to rule over the people because they could rule they were they were successful in ruling over their animality the lion is the king of the beasts and then there's the human and the human is sitting on the lion means he's tamed the lion of himself hmm? the animality of himself hmm? so yeah character matters <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. some people are even thinking that, you know, that not some, and a lot of people aren't hmm, in in this country today. I, mean, I think character doesn't matter in our leaders. That what could be more. People say, I don't know what you're talking about, Kali Yuga. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> a quality of time in which the character of leaders may not even matter. 
to the uh, to, to the to the to the majority. That's a very regrettable. Uh, and and in 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 Bart, then by contrast, that was everything, right? And Bart, it's named after Bart, who was a, who was an emperor who gave it up, who left the chair after ruling, at at the at the at the despair of the uh, you know the, the, the inhabitants the, the, his the, his uh, what would you call them these uh, his constituents yeah uh, and 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 but then but went to the forest right attained bhava hmm. I mean these are they're just that now they didn't have blue blood or something you know they, it's, it's a, you don't find the same standard, if you want to, I want to say, within the, the monarchical uh, regimes of let them eat cake, you know, in Europe. Hmm? Let them eat cake. That's what she said. Hmm? So, uh, so in our yogic and uh, and, and and bhakti. Uh, uh, perspective we have this idea of subtle matter right subtle matter psychic matter it's not something that's um, that's uh, uh, considered it's considered kind of lunacy in in, 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 in most uh, thinking philosophical uh, uh, scientific circles where it primarily is thought that the brain everything about consciousness, Thought mind is really just a just a physical brain, for example. I mean, we've talked about this many times. Um, but the idea of the psychic matter, as I'm speaking, but it's interesting, of course. But you could say, but yeah, whatever. You know, some people believe that here. You know, a long time ago. Now we've got instruments, and we haven't found any booty. You know, as it's an ontological, you know, category of of, of matter or manas. Uh, it's very interesting, but but it's more than interesting because the way in which these ideas came about was through experience of mystics. They didn't just sit down one day and think, I think there's a manas, I think there's a buddhi, I think that there's a, you know, there's a there's something called chitta. Hmm? It's not somebody just with a, with a mind just free to think however you want, which has become the standard of, of modern philosophy, just... Uh, Think, just probably used to call it, you know, mental masturbation, so to speak, to to un untether or untie, unhinge thinking from revelation. This is the legacy of modern uh, philosophy. Um, so uh, they weren't just like engaging in that to come up with those ideas. But there's a practice, yoga, for example, sadhana, that goes with it, and it which is uh, an inward kind of very systematic inward uh, movement, if you will, pursuing the nature of what's in there. That is, again, as I said earlier, asking what's out there, hmm? who's the real subject, and with experience of it and the layers, I want to say, that, that, it's, that it's covered by, Enveloped by gross and, and subtle matter, they they have written about them. I mean, these, these are very extraordinary testaments, testimonies of mystics about the nature of subtle 
of, of the material uh, predicament. Hmm? Yeah. So it, it's it's very powerful, actually. Uh, if, you, if you look at the source, who was a Patanjali, for example, or uh, the character of the of the uh, of the Vyas or Sukadev, and so on. Hmm? So anyway, here we are, right, in this uh, in this. Uh, con- condition uh, influenced by material um, some scars that have no beginning, no end, that are unlimited, hmm? and these are impressions that are situated on the on the chitta. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu called, compared it again, as I said, to a mirror, hmm? and he said the task of the sadhana, uh, the sadhaka, is to is to cleanse the mirror of the mind, cleanse the mirror of the mind. So if it's cleansed of the impressions that it has, then it's clear. And because the way in which we cleanse it, how do we cleanse the mind? How do we cleanse the, the chitta? What is Mahaprabhu's teaching? It's Sankirtan, chanting, and that is the Goloker Premodan Harinam Sankirtan, Narutam says. Right? That that wealth of Prem, of Golok, it's coming through the medium here, coming here through the medium of Sankirtan. So those that means... All these Anadi city samskars, they're coming in through the name, right? Hmm? And now they're meeting head head on with our material samskars and they're capable to deal with them. Hmm? So they they cl- cleanse them away and and because of the way in which the cleansing is taking place, hmm, then these Anadi city samskars, these they start to appear on the mirror of the mind. And then one starts to see than oneself in terms of a spiritual personhood and identity that is in the likeness of those ragatnikas, hmm? a new, a new, a new personhood, a new identity that, that, that maybe, maybe as I said earlier, limited from a material point of view, but it's, but it's actually not it's focused on one particular thing, one particular time, or whatever may be the case. Hmm? Love of Krishna. Hmm? So it's a very it's very uh, beautiful um, uh, uh, idea, a very powerful form of sadhana. The really, you have to understand that the center of this rag bhakti is is something like this. This is kind of the logic of it, of its power. Hmm? Um, uh, one aspect of it is that these ragatmikas, they what they constitute is uh, is what Krishna is all about. Right, they have no interest in, in Jai Maharaj. Make 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 seat for Maharaj. They're not interested in acquiring things from God. They're not interested in getting away from things. Hmm? Right. Hmm? They're not interested in in in, in serving him at a distance through reverential love and so forth, which doesn't, as we said earlier, do a lot for him, Krishna. They are only interested in what he's about. He's Rasaraj, and they are facilitating, they are enabling him to be this Rasaraj, this taster. Hmm? Right? And an on, a being that's always forever becoming in Prem. Ordinary Vedantas, stop trying to become, just be. Hmm? We do that in the context of becoming forever. 
it's a different idea. You understand? It's, it's transcendental becoming. I mean, we're always trying to be happy. We're always trying to be secure. We're always trying to be uh, knowledgeable. But the teaching of Vedanta is you are happy. You are Ananda. You are secure. You're Sat. Hmm. You are not in ignorance. You're knowing your chit. Stop trying to become, be what you are. But our tradition goes there and then goes further. It's it's forever a becoming. Hmm. It's a very incredible idea. Krishna is always becoming, always understanding himself in newer and newer ways. Hmm. And every time the the, the anurag um, bhakta sees him, it's like they've never seen him before. I mean, seeing things about it never seen before. Hmm. So the influence of these people hmm, coming through Sankirtan, through the brought by the by the uh, Guru Parampara, as it as we cleanse the the chitta, hmm, and what a, a powerful way to do that, then those impressions come upon us, and we develop even before that because we know the theory. We think I would like to be like those people, and gradually we find out what that means. Hmm? Right? Prabhupada gave us the Krishna book. It was attractive, but what does it all mean? Yeah. So in time, you, you you find out if you have good company, what it all means. And, you, and as that desire is refined with understanding of what it is, we realize what it constitutes is a desire that's not very uh, widely uh, circulated. People approach God for all kinds of things, or as I say, to get away from things, or maybe because He should be worshipped. But the way in which these these uh, uh, bhaktas serve Him, associate with Him, love Him, not many people interested in this. So if you become interested in this, logic is simply how interested He becomes in you. You have that idea. That idea is coming. So who are we to think like this? We have all the Nadi Ananta samskars. <laughs> how are you going to sort all that out? That's what, where you're at. But somehow, and how? By Sada Sangha, right? Somehow. Sada Sad Yoni Janmashu, right? Karnam Guna Sangaso, Sada Sad Yoni Janmashu. This is how the material world proceeds. It's the last verse Prabhupada ever cited. Hmm? It's how the material world proceeds. That karnam guna sangasya. Hmm? Because hmm? karnam is guna sangha. Associating with the modes, that determines birth in different wombs. And it's we are largely a product of our association. That is what what tatasta means. Hmm? And conversely, we can say, karnam nirguna sangasya. Hmm? <laughs> By associating with the nirguna, with bhakti, with sadhu sangha, getting these kinds of impressions, hmm? then we're going to take birth in the brajlila. Hmm? That's how it works. And what family, what where, what with what sentiment, and so forth, all determined by the by the association. Hmm? Rupa Goswami clearly teaches this. He says what? By vasanas. In other words, if Madhurya Rasa is, is objectively the 
most intimate, why wouldn't everybody choose it? This is what he asks. He asks, asks the question. And he says, and he answers his own question. Because the determination is made by vasanas. Vasanas means samskaras, but it, 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 samskaras mean brittis. <laughs> so, brittis mean like impressions, a uh, little bit here, there, uh, thoughts, uh, desires, uh, uh, and, and they, they accumulate together in a pattern hmm, and become samskaras. And samskaras accumulate, like samskaras, accumulate in a pattern hmm, to form vasanas. Hmm? You see? And then that determines your disposition, your, your propensities, and so forth. So when you get vasana, hmm? vasana for sakya rasa, for madhurya rasa, as may be the case, through, as he explains, and, and the commentators further explain on Sri Rupa's verse, through association, then, then that was vasana's determined. So this is what we want, you see. We want to you got to take your your bhakti vrittis and bhakti sangskars and 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 turn them into vasanas uh, by continually to accumulate them and wisely sadhana is is I sometimes said it's an art it's a skill understand these things and how to think how to where to associate with it, uh, and what to read uh, and and so forth to focus your your practice, you don't go just about it blindly, and 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 and, and also consider the environment. Hmm? Life is short. Life is short. Hmm? You know, the nice group of people here hmm? you should get together as often as possible. Hmm? Here, chant. We're we're different. Hmm? Think differently. It's okay, right? We're different. Hmm? And it's good what we are. We're out about, about a very good thing, a very wholesome thing. Right? And it can be well supported with reason, logic. It, it's the it's the it's that Eastern exceptionalism. It should be shared. It can be shared. So when we come to the topic, then then this this ikadasi is one of the ways in which we can get this strong bhakti sanskar. It's actually part of of the uh, uh, Raghunuga uh, sadhana, the practice. What are the what are the what are the angas, the limbs of the practice of of Raghunuga bhakti? There's different ways to talk about that, but you may know that uh, Vishnu Chakravarti authored a book called Ragvart Machandrika, and there he posits, uh, f- I think, five fivefold um, approach to uh, thinking about and determining the angas of rag bhakti. He begins with Sabhishta Bhava Mai, which is what I was talking about earlier. I mean, the idea is to be filled Mai with the with a particular Bhava feeling for Krishna. So I've taken it to another level to, to have the to have the that aspiration. Hmm? This is very powerful. This is central hmm, to the practice. To have that, and it's very it, to be one of Krishna's associates and understand. It's come to me in this way. I should. I should approach in that. This is what's come to me. These samskar, these kind of bhakti samskars. So we refine that with the help of a guru, de, guru Dave. We refine that, and then this becomes our as part of our nishta. I want to attain this. I want to be the handmaid Navrata. Uh, it's audacious for me to say so. I'm surrounded by impressions, 
uh, Ananta, uh, Anadi <laughs> material impressions, but this gracious opportunity has been afforded me. What can I say? Prabhupada himself used to say, why me? I don't know. It just happened. I'm just fortunate, blessed that I could be in this position. And what was he thinking the position was? I'm surrounded by so many devotees. <laughs> but Prabhupada, he made us devotees. <laughs> You're the devotee. No, but he thought in another way. Hmm? Once we were sitting at the airport with Prabhupada, and these were different, airports were different in those days, you know, very different in terms of security and so forth. So Prabhupada was sitting on the seat waiting for the plane. We were all sitting on the on the floor, you know, around him. And, um, and we used to greet him with kirtan and stuff at the airport. It was quite a... I can imagine trying to do that now. So, uh, so somebody came f- from the airport um, uh, employees and administration and said um, that uh, told one of the devotees that all all everybody has to um, stand up. They can't sit on the floor. They all have to stand up. So that devotee then stood up and he said, "All the devotees have to stand up." And so Prabhupada stood up, <laughs> and all the devotees. And they said, "Not you, Prabhupada." He said, "I'm devotee." <laughs> so this is also part of, part of rag bhakti, braj bhakti. Hmm? What did I say? The braj bhakti people. They are the. They. What kind of people are they? We should just see. They are. They are worshiping everybody. Actually, if Nard comes there, they don't say, "Who are you? You're a Vaidhi Mark." Bhakta, I'm a rock Bhakta. They don't think like that. And therefore, Mahaprabhu said, "You're not a peace That kind of humility is the standard of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And while that's part of our our practice and our culture, Sanatan Prabhu in his Brihad Bhagavatamrita has also shown that in the end, this humility becomes synonymous with prem. It begets prem. Prem begets it. Hmm? This Braj prem. They foster one another eternally. Hmm? eternally, on and on. So you couldn't find a, a more humble person than a Gaudiya Vaishnava. That's the idea. Hmm? Than a Ragatnika. We should know some basic things about those people and they help us. Right? Hmm? So to be to have the idea, it's one thing to be filled with the bhav and cultivating, but to have the idea of that bhav, hmm? this is central to the practice. And then there are the things that are related to the bhav, hmm? like hearing, chanting, remembering, and so forth. These practices, hmm? they're, they're, they're bhava-sambandhi. So sambandhi means related. They're related to it. That by engaging in them, that bhav will come hmm? within us. And when it does, those activities will continue and they will be transformed from Baba Sambandi to Baba Mayi. They will become also. In other words, we may hear and chant to cultivate the Bhav, and then we may hear and chant out of Bhav. Hmm? That's our ideal, right? Hmm? So we know we should embrace the activities of hearing, chanting, and so forth. Hmm? They are related to. Now, within the context of that, Vishwanachakwati Thakur gives a special place to the topic tonight of Ikadasi. Hmm. He says, it is also Baba Sambandi, this vow, this, this vrata, this observance of Ikadasi. He says that it's, it's, it's partially related 
hmm, to the bhav. Because it said, for example, observance of kadasi will bring about remembrance of Govinda. Remembrance, smarnam of Govinda is bhava sambandhi. Hmm? So that which promotes that is is partially related to it. So he, he includes it within that which is called bhava sambandhi. Going down before we continue something about ikadasi to conclude the talk, there, there are, of course, then there are things that are um, you have to be filled with the bhav, the ideal, to engage in things related to the bhav. Then there are things that are favorable to the bhav, like Vishnu Tilak, hmm? the Kontimala, hmm? markings of the of the of the of the devotee, hmm? Tilak. Hmm? Some people they don't want to wear, and you know we're not any kind of fanatics about it by any stretch of the imagination, but they don't want to wear the dhoti or the or the sari because they think it's going to put people off, but. But they, um, tilak is probably more <laughs> off-putting than anything else, and they sometimes cite Prabhupada because Prabhupada said you could wear anything. But they, but Prabhupada always said you have to wear tilak. Of course, you, know, you have to be wise about that too. If you're in the world, there may be places where that's not going to um, give a positive result. So, any any rate, that is uh, then uh, these are these are things that are favorable. Hmm? A couple of examples, and there are there are things that are neutral, but are but by engaging in them, the neutral means that they should be engaged in, like feeding cows, hmm, scratching their necks, and uh, this is what uh, worship of the sacred trees and so on and so forth. Hmm. And then there are things that are adverse to the bhav, hmm. so those should be sorted out. Like, for example, if we're cultivating the Raghvav, then Chakravati Thakur gives the example that we shouldn't worship the queens of Dwarka, which is one of the Angas of Vaidhi Bhakti, because we don't want to become queens, right? So certain certain Angas will be left aside. So this is what, something that it means, what I mean when I speak about being skillful in one's uh, sadhana. It's an art. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a skill. It's not a mindless... Affair, but anyway, ikadasi. This is a powerful, powerful, powerful observance. Hmm? So it happens twice a month. It's it's something to give us pause and think that by the, by taking advantage of this opportunity, hmm, um, uh, this is going to very much enhance my my bhakti. It's going to give me a very uh, the more I consciously observe this, it's it's a very good way to get a very powerful bhakti samskar hmm? impression, which is what we want. We this is what we want to want to cultivate. So it's a, it, the things that are said about it in scripture, we shouldn't we, we, we shouldn't dismiss. We should take it seriously. Hmm? Why it does that? Again, this is Hari's day. Hmm? Hari Barsha. Uh, uh, it's not just because there'll be more grains in the world, you know, like we said earlier, that 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 side of it and so forth. A lot of these things, we're talking about the, the world of ritual, the realm of transcendence. It's it's a different world. Hmm? It's it's his day. Hmm? That's it. Hmm? Um, 
it has, there's just an aspects to it. I mean, the main thing, as I said earlier, is about pleasing Vishnu, and there are things that should be done, and then there are things that should be abstained from. Typically, there's the fasting, and then there are repercussions of not following. It's it's fourfold. Hmm? Um, Pujapati Sridhar gave a nice idea, and I've, I've related it before, but I, uh, I'll uh, conclude with this. He said that the the moon, as we know, uh, presides over the tides. And so on the day of Ekadasi, which is the 11th day of the waning and the waxing of the moon, the tides, or the fluids of the body, hmm, rise up, and they put pressure on the senses. Hmm? And so the propensity to enjoy increases under that uh, constellation or stellar uh, influence. Hmm? And therefore, some schools within Hinduism, all of which observe the Akadasi or should, uh, it's part of their tradition, uh, will fast and they put precedence on fasting, as I said earlier, rather than pleasing Vishnu. Ubhavas means to fast, but Ubhavas, Vas means also to reside, Ubhavas means to reside near. So the Vaishnava perspective is, Akadasi is a day for residing, could you come closer to Bhagwan? So how do we become close to Bhagwan? Hmm? Right? We become close, we become distant by serving our own senses, we become close by using our senses to please his senses. Hmm. This is the difference between common and praying. Hmm. And so, Pujamachi Dumarish gave this idea, I like this, hmm. that on this day, we asked Prabhupada once on a walk in Chicago, what is better? What is it? Is a codice auspicious or inauspicious? Do we fast because it's inauspicious, or is it an auspicious day? He said, No, it's most. It's not about fasting. It's about feasting. Codice is about feasting. Hmm? But the feast is for Krishna because on this day, the the fluids in Krishna's body, <laughs> transcendental body, right? They have fluids too. They're transcendental fluids. All the elements are there. Earth, water, fire, they're all transcendental. Hmm? Transcendental versions of them. It's aprakrita. Like the material world, but different. All these fluids rise and they press on his senses, so his propensity to enjoy increases on ekadasi, so therefore we can cook more for him, serve more for him, chant more for him, and so forth. And Given his his necessity as a supreme enjoyer is has increased, then by facilitating that we endear ourselves to him. So this is the center really of the ekadasi to please Vishnu, to please Krishna in our in our in our case. And this is some some logic for it that's kind of charming. Don't try to you know play it out too far, and 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 look where it may fall short in some way. It's 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 logic within our tradition. I want to say within the within the bhav within within the ideal. You have to include all of that. Then it all makes sense and it's all very happy. If you come out of that association and you got all kind of problems, why should I be observing a codice? Observing a codice? Why should I be doing this? Why should I be doing? Again, as I began, we want to come into within this culture. Prabhupada, my guru Maharaj, he tried to create a culture for us in the West. Of a sangha of, uh, that we where we could um, live under this uh, reign of uh, of bhakti samskars, right? Hmm? 
and it, it and and it's the world is is pushing very hard and that's for sure on us with its its impressions so um we should try to do the same i know you're all doing that here by having these kind of gatherings and you're kind to invite me on such an auspicious day kasi brataki jai yeah hillsborough devotees ki jai go bhakti vrindaki jai go premanandi jai